1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, June the 16th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On June 16, 1858, accepting the Illinois Republican Party's nomination for the U.S. Senate, Abraham Lincoln said the slavery issue just had to be resolved. It was in this speech that he declared a a house divided against itself cannot stand. He, of course, was drawing from the words of Jesus. Very true. Perhaps not unlike his time in 1858, today, our nation is deeply divided. Not over politics, not even political ideology, so much as moral differences. Our nation is deeply divided over what is and what is not moral. And even the basis of our morality, what we believe and why we believe it, why do we believe that certain things are wrong and certain things are right? That's where our nation is today, and that's what we see playing out before us, and it's not pretty. Today in 1903, Ford Motor Company was incorporated. Today in 1933, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, was founded. President Roosevelt signed the Banking Act of 1933. Today in 1941, National Airport, now Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport, it opened for business at a ceremony attended by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. Today in 2015, Donald Trump launched his successful campaign coming down the escalator in Trump Tower, his campaign to become President of the United States, with a speech at Trump Tower in Manhattan. Politics would not be the same after this moment, 2015, with Donald Trump in the mix. Today in 2016, Walt Disney Company opened Shanghai Disneyland, (laughs) its first theme park in mainland China. It's important. History is important because it tells us what's happened. It gives It gives some sense of what's happening in our day if we know what's happened in the past. That's why we share these little bits of things that happened in history every day at the top of this program. It was a Sunday in 1909. A young woman is sitting in a pew in a small church in Spokane, Washington. She's listening to a Mother's Day sermon. Sonora Smart Dodd. She doesn't remember her mother. She died in childbirth, but the sermon inspires her nonetheless. It reminds her of her own upbringing and turns her heart to memories of her father, William Jackson Smart, who raised her and her five siblings alone after the death of their mom. She wonders how many others are like her, motherless but blessed with a devoted and loving father who made a home and a happy childhood for his children without the help of his wife, And weren't all good fathers equal in greatness to her own? After church, she walks up and compliments the preacher on his sermon. Then she suggests that a special day should be dedicated to fathers, too. She recommends the next Sunday, next week, the first Sunday in June that year, because it is the day after her own father's birthday. After some discussion with other ministers, it was agreed that the third Sunday in June would give them time to prepare a father's day sermon The first father's day celebration occurred in spokane on june 19th 1910 but the concept really didn't catch on in fact it was mocked by the newspapers oh yes mocked by the newspapers and dismissed by many men who believed the holidays sentimental nature and gift-giving elements were just a kind of a commercial ruse anyway For a while, the idea of Father's Day dwindled, particularly during the 1920s when Dodd headed off to study in Chicago. But on her return to Spokane in the 1930s, she resumed her mission. Some suggested putting Mother's Day and Father's Day all together, replacing them with a single parent's day. But everyone agreed that would be worse than doing nothing. Father's Day was sporadically celebrated for the next 20 years, but it really never Well, fast forward to 1957. Maine Senator Margaret Chase Smith took Congress to task when she accused them of overlooking fathers for 40 years while recognizing mothers. Senator Smith proved to be the squeaky wheel. Nine years later, in 1966, President Lyndon B. Johnson finally designated the third Sunday in June as Father's Day through a presidential proclamation. It took another six years until 1972 for Father's Day to become a nationwide holiday. And dads, if you're listening, you can thank Richard Nixon for all those ties and socks. He made it official. All those ties and socks sometimes you don't even need. But the person giving them to you is special. So you say, thank you. Just what I wanted. Seriously. What started as a grateful daughter's desire to honor her hard-working and devoted dad has now become a tradition, celebrated all across the U.S. and actually in other countries as well, a day when we all take a moment to express our love and our gratitude for the men who helped raise us. I have fond memories of my own father. He and I were very close. Understanding historical events like this isn't just about knowing dates and facts, you might not remember that Father's Day started in 1909. If you're like me, you'll probably forget it within the hour. You probably won't remember the name of the woman who made Father's Day her life's mission, but that's, that's okay. I don't think she would mind. Because what you will remember is that Father's Day came to be because one man made a deep and lasting impact on the life of his daughter. It's the same for all of history. History is a tool to help us understand our past, make sense of our present, to learn lessons that can guide us in the future, under the authority of God's Word, of course. Sometimes history can reveal unexpected heroes, like Sonora Smart Dodd. She saw an opportunity to celebrate the unsung heroes of everyday life, our dads. So, happy, happy Father's Day. To all of you guys out there who are dads, I want to wish a special Happy Father's Day, a happy 80th birthday, and a happy 60th wedding anniversary to a couple that are very strong supporters of this ministry. I know you're celebrating it this weekend. Happy Father's Day, happy birthday, and happy anniversary. And to all of you, Happy Father's Day. Interesting story coming out of Davos and the World Economic Forum. Now, it doesn't have to do with money, at least not on his face. It has to do with rewriting the Bible. Rewriting the Bible. What does that have to do with the World Economic Forum? Well, as it turns out, it has a lot to do with them. For starters, apparently, they have little use for the Bible that God has given us. So they'll have to have artificial intelligence. A new God give us a new Bible. A top official with the World Economic Forum, the WEF, has called for religious scripture to be rewritten by artificial intelligence to create a globalized new Bible. Yuval Noah Harari, the senior advisor to the WEF and its chairman, Klaus Schwab, he argues that using AI to replace scripture will create unified religions that are actually correct. In fact, it may lead to unity. We could become all one religion and we would have world peace. Let there be peace in the world. According to Harari, the power of AI can be harnessed and used to reshape spirituality into the WEF's globalist vision of equity and inclusivity. We need to be informed on these things, not misled. A new age, a new Bible. Speaking with journalist this Pedro Pinto in Lisbon, Portugal the other day, Harari told the elitist audience, and it was some of the elites of the world, and all of them are are leftists. I don't know why they're leftists, because it's capitalism, and it's free market, and it's the very things that conservatives believe in that allowed them to get wealthy. But that's a discussion for another day, but I, I really don't understand that. But anyway, speaking with this journalist, this Pedro Pinto in Lisbon, he said it's AI, he said, the first technology ever that can create new ideas. He said, you know, the printing press, radio, television, they broadcast. They spread the ideas created by the human brain, by the human mind. They cannot create a new idea. He said, you know, Johannes Gutenberg, he printed the Bible in the middle of the 15th century. He said the printing press printed as many copies of the Bible as Gutenberg instructed it. But it did not create a single new page. (laughs) This guy is so dumb spiritually. But he's brilliant. He's well known. And I'll tell you a little bit about him later. It had no ideas of its own about the Bible. Is it good? Is it bad? This Harari is saying. How to interpret this? How to interpret that? He then revealed that he and his allies at the WEF have a solution to the proposed problems that he's just highlighted. AI, he says, can create new ideas. It could even write a new Bible. Throughout history, religions dreamt, he says, about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence, by a non-human entity. In a few years, he said there might be religions that are actually correct. He said, just think about a religion whose holy book is written by AI. That could be reality in a short few years. The Times of Israel got a hold of this his comments, and they published quite an extensive article about it. And in it, they say, Harari noted in another recent gathering that software like ChatGPT has mastered human languages and can harness that function to influence culture. For thousands of years, prophets and poets and politicians have used language and storytelling in order to manipulate and to control people and to reshape society. Now AI is likely to be able to do it. Harari is saying in a different context. And once it can, he says, it doesn't need to send killer robots to shoot us. The Times headline, Israel Times, Times of Israel, their headline read, all Noah Harari warns AI can create religious texts that may inspire new cults. This historian, philosopher, he says the technology could attract worshippers ready to kill in the name of religion, urging tighter oversight and regulation of the sector. He warns in his talk, in several of his talks that I've read carefully, he warns that artificial intelligence is now able to compose its own religious texts that would likely attract worshipers. So on the one hand, he seems to be very favorable toward this. On the other hand, he seems to be... Somewhat hesitant, he recognizes the power of this artificial intelligence. It could play uh, artificial intelligence could play a significant role in end times, and we are living in end times, I believe. Harari told the AI Frontiers Forum event in Switzerland that adherents could potentially, at one point, be instructed by computers to kill the other people. In the future, he said, we might see the first cults and religions in history whose revered texts were written by a non-human intelligence. Rari said in quotes carried by the UK Daily Mail newspaper, that was this week. Of course, religions throughout history claim that their holy books were written by unknown human intelligence. This was never true before, (laughs) This could become very true, very quickly, with far-reaching consequences. The message here clearly is, I can create a God that's better than your God, your Hebrew God, your God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, manifest in the person of Jesus Christ, who is God. I can do better than that. We can create a new religion. We can create a new God. We can create a new Bible that isn't so offensive and abrasive. That's what this message is. Harari said software has mastered the human language and can use that skill to mold the culture. To conform the culture to a global worldview. We need to remind ourselves that the Bible instructs us, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. These guys are trying to reprogram your mind not renew it many will follow them i think they'll follow through on this i think there will be some form of scripture very soon that will come out of this ai it's it's a phenomenal tool i mean it does good i mean businessmen are using it to write reports and stuff kids are trying to use it in in school our oldest granddaughter is a professor at a major university she said that she's seen it all the time she has to deal with it. She's a devout Christian, outspokenly devout Christian. And she has to deal with it all the time. She and I were talking about it just recently. There are, uh, she doesn't want it. She, she's very definite against it as far as students using it in some of their term papers and stuff. But it, it comes under the guise of, of being a help. And it's not. It has ultimate ability to destroy that's always the way the world the world culture the world philosophy the world humanistic world view always presents itself he said this he said contrary to what some conspiracy theories assume you don't really need to implant chips in people's brains in order to control them or to manipulate them. No, he said, we're past that now. He said, we can just change their minds. And he's advocating for it. The Bible is under attack in a nation that was founded upon its teachings. We mentioned a few minutes ago, Abraham Lincoln stood as he was being confirmed to Congress And he said, we're a house divided. We cannot continue like this. Drawing on the words of Jesus. Today, we again are a nation divided, deeply divided. And the people that walk in darkness continue to say it's a political divide. It isn't. It's a spiritual divide. It's light and darkness. It's truth. And lies. We have to decide. We have to sort it out. The Bible is under attack. These guys these Davos guys Schwab and Ferrari and these guys they want to write a new Bible because they want to become God. They don't want to draw from God as Abraham Lincoln was doing and as billions and billions of people do on this earth who are Christians. They don't want to draw from the from the perfect inspired inerrant word of God. They want to create a new word that's their word, not God's word. They want to create a new God that isn't so violent. The Bible is under attack in schools all across the country, as you know, but in Utah, Mormon-dominated Utah, the Davis School District has removed the King James Bible from elementary and middle schools after a complaint from an anonymous person, one person, that the Bible violates their new sensitive materials law in Utah. That sounds like something Mitt Romney would come up with. But that led to a committee review that ended with scriptures being deemed age inappropriate. The Salt Lake uh, Tribune says that while it does not appear to violate sensitive materials law, which prohibits instructional material that's pornographic or indecent, it did find scripture violated the school district's requirement that any vulgarity or violence in library material be age-appropriate. They say from Cain's murder of Abel and the extermination of the Amalekites to the crucifixion of Jesus and the bloody battle of Armageddon, the violence in the Hebrew Bible in the New Testament evidently was considered inappropriate and removed from the libraries. This has just happened. Both TV stations in town, KTVX and KTSU, specified that the decision was made regarding the King James Bible. Specifically, they say whether other translations of the Bible will be affected was not immediately clear. So if we can change our Bibles, then they're talking about all these other versions of the Bible, and I'm not 100% against those other versions, I'm not. I mean, but some of them are very misleading. The King James, I think, is the best in most cases. That's why I use it all the time, and I've memorized and preached from it for many years. But they are saying that we, we can create a better Bible. Then we won't have all this violence. We don't need to know about Cain's murder of Abel and the extermination of the Amalekites and the crucifixion of Jesus and all the details. We don't need to know that. We just need to know that God loves us, and he does. That's true. But if God is love and God loves us, Would a few sins in a very short lifetime span of 60 to 100 years, whatever we live, would he send us to an eternal hell for just a couple of mistakes we made? There's no hell. God is love. Love wins. That's what's behind this. In this case in Salt Lake, an unidentified individual uh, filed a request for the Bible's removal citing 49 pages of biblical verses that could be considered in violation of the guidelines. Could the World Economic Forum Bible be the solution to these kinds of problems? The AI version could strip the hate verses describing how God feels about sin and could erase the 49 pages of scripture that offend this unknown dissenter while highlighting that love wins. Not to worry. This could create new gods and eliminate the notion that Jesus is the only way to God. That's not inclusive. It's not. Christianity is inclusive in the sense that it is the message of the gospel is for everyone, but not to affirm them in their sin. It is to deliver them, bring forgiveness and redemption and deliverance from their sin and that's the great dividing point in America today. Churches are more and more turning to the whole LGBTQ movement because their pews are empty. So the gays come in there and take over and hang flags all over the cross and all over the building. and I mean, it's sick. Charisma Magazine apparently obviously read some of the things I'm sharing with you today. They wrote an article the other day that they said the foundation of the Christian faith is that the formation information contained within the Bible is the Spirit inspired inspired inerrant Word of God. It's true. This means that the writings on creation, the flood, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ are absolutely factual events according to the Christian Bible. Within those pages in both the Old and New Testaments are warnings about changing the Bible and the message contained within it. And they quote Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2 and Revelation chapter 22, verse 19, 18 and 19. So thinking from a tactical perspective, what would be the one thing that Satan would ultimately try and corrupt to lead people astray from the truth held within the pages of the Bible? What could he do? It would be to alter the very Word of God itself with a different theology than that which is written in Scripture. It would be to rewrite God's Word and present it as God's Word when it really isn't God's Word. It's people's Word. It's Harari's Word. It's Schwab's Word. It's Bill Gates' Word. This grand deception is why the words of Senior Economic Forum Advisor this Harari, a homosexual Israeli author, historian who holds mostly to atheist atheistic beliefs and spirituality. This is what this is about, rewriting the Bible so it will confirm their lifestyle, his lifestyle. And you say, "Well, who cares about this Harari guy?" Well, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have quoted him today if millions of people around the world didn't take him seriously they do he's considered to be one of the most influential intellectuals in the world today among the elites no i'm not among the elites but i kind of follow what they do his statements are taken quite seriously by millions of people so we shouldn't just brush it off and say well this is no big deal everybody wants to write a bible his books have sold his books have sold over 45 million copies worldwide They've been recommended to society by some of the largest names on the planet. Do I agree with them? No, I don't. But they still have influence. Barack Obama is promoting his books everywhere he goes. Bill Gates is always talking about this guy. I mean, these people have influence, and others like them. And they're using that influence to push this guy and his beliefs and writings. And now this guy says he can use AI, and he can rewrite the Bible. And we can get rid of all of this gory stuff in the Bible. We don't need to know that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Even so every good fruit bringeth forth good fruit. Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Having grown up in a Christian home and a Christian church, biblically Christian church, I always had the feeling that the people I grew up around were very careful not to judge people. They didn't want to judge anyone. But I had the the good fortune and the blessing to be around people. And my wife and I grew up in the same environment, the same town, same church. Uh, We had the blessing of being around people who did distinguish. They did check out the fruit. (laughs) No pun intended. I grew up in the orchards of central Washington. But I think these days, we need to be careful not to be too careful. And we need to make judgments. We need to be discerning. We need to take a very careful, a very hard look at everything that's out there this is a new kind of age for us with this artificial intelligence with all with the internet with all of the means of communication we're living in a, in a kind of a new era of influencing people and we need to just keep our eyes and our heart and our mind focused on the word of god that is the bible and we need to just stay true on God's word, because that is the source of all truth. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Have a great weekend. Thank you for your support. I'll see you Monday